All right, good to be back with you this afternoon. Um, thankful for this opportunity that uh, God has privileged and afforded us. <clears throat> and uh, we're going to pick back up in the Gospel of John. Uh, if you want to uh, uh, read along with us, we'll be um, finishing the last uh, few verses of St. John chapter number 1. So we'll be getting the tail end of the first chapter. It took us three weeks to get through the first chapter. We're going to... Uh, a lot to cover we don't want to skim it too too much but uh, we don't want to spend <clears throat> so long that uh, uh, you get tired of being in the book as well but uh, we want to read it we want to study God's Word word for word verse for verse um, but uh, thankful for this day um, praying for our nation for our country those that are sick uh, those that are in the hospitals those who lost loved ones uh, and we all know somebody in that current situation. So uh, let's continue not only uh, to pray for our church, but pray for one another. A lot of people need a lot of things and um, need God's provision and His touch and His healing. And we're praying for those things. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll dive into this. Our fathers, we bow in thy presence. We thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for this a wonderful privilege and opportunity that you've afforded us, God, to study thy word tonight. We pray, God, as we open thy word, that we would rightly divide it. And God, that we'd be good stewards over thy word. We pray that you'd speak to our hearts, to our minds, revelate us. Uh, God, that we would speak truths from heaven, uh, not our own opinion, not our own thoughts. But, God, we would speak uh, only that which would be given and delivered from thee. We thank you, Lord Jesus, Father, for your, uh, for your mercy, for your grace, God, and for your goodness. We pray, God, that, Lord, that you would uh, bless and touch, God, uh, those nursing homes and the hospitals, God, those less fortunate. We pray, Father, for uh, those families that are hurting, that have lost loved ones. We pray, God, for those that are sick, God, that you would touch them uh, with divine healing from heaven above. And we just look to you uh, and ask, God, that you would intervene, God, as you see fit. And, God, we will... Uh, be earnest, God, to thy word, believe in your word, and believe in God that you are the author and the finisher of our faith. Watch over us now, keep us in care for us. We thank you, praise you for what you do. We ask it in Jesus' name. And most certainly, uh, we're praying for our nation, for our country. Um, going through this election right now, we'll see how that turns out. Nevertheless, I do know this, uh, absolutely. Uh, Jesus was king yesterday, and he's still king today, and he'll be king tomorrow. Um, so, uh, as we have uh, stated and said many different times on many different occasions, <clears throat> Jesus said, Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, I have all power in heaven and in earth. He said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. Uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, if I had hope in this world only, I'd be of all men most miserable. Um, so we are we are looking for um, a divine uh, a touch and a divine city, and we know that God is going to give us provision uh, to the people of God. I'm glad when we read in the book of Exodus, we find where were the children of God had found themselves uh, 400 plus years uh, in bondage to Egypt, uh, and God sent a deliverer through Moses. And when God sent a deliverer through Moses. And as the plagues began to fall, uh, Egypt, the Bible, in one specific occasion, when God cursed the land with darkness, the Bible said that there was light in Goshen. And I'm, I'm just faithful to that uh, tonight. 
uh, have been and will continue to be. Uh, God uh, will uh, watch over and, and care for and keep his children. David said in the book of Psalms, and I get on with this, he said, I once was young, now I'm old, never seen his seed begging bread, uh, nor the righteous forsaken. And uh, we believe that tonight. We're holding uh, firmly and steadfastly to God's word because we believe that it is, is the truth. Um, so we'll quit talking here for just a few minutes and get on with uh, the reading of the text right here and however long it takes us to get through these from verse 35 to 51 is how long we'll be on tonight. So St. John, uh, Gospel of St. John, chapter number 1, verse number 35. And the next day after John stood and two of his disciples and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw uh, them following it and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, uh, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted to Christ. And he, brought, and he brought him to Jesus. When Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Uh, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. The day following uh, Jesus would go forth, the day following Jesus would go forth into Galilee, uh, Galilee and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was, was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael, saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And, and Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and saith uh, unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. <clears throat> then Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I say unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, be uh, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And as we get into uh, the latter portion uh, of the Gospel of John, uh, we may not keep you too terribly long tonight, um, and I honestly mean that, uh, but we're going to work our way through these last few verses right here. We're not going to uh, probably uh, um, get into chapter 2 tonight. Um, we'll we'll table that for next week <clears throat> but uh, just starting back over here verse number 35 of course we get uh, as we recap you can go back and listen to uh, uh, part 1 and part 2 of, of, of chapter 1 we see where John was down in the Jordan River he was baptized and we discussed this last week he said behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world uh, then John the Baptist gives his profound uh, profession uh, of he that cometh after me, of whose shoe latchet I'm not worthy to unloose. It says, he shall baptize you with fire and with the Holy Ghost. So then we pick up. This is uh, the inauguration and initiation of Jesus' public ministry. Uh, this is where the Gospel of John picks up. Uh, so we see here 
Uh, the very next thing that he does after John identifies him as the Son of God, the Lamb of God, and we'll get to that here in just a few minutes, uh, we see where Jesus then, uh, as, uh, as he's identified as the Messiah and the Son of God, he then proceeds on uh, to uh, compile the apostles or the twelve disciples. And it says, The next day after John stood and two of his disciples... Uh, so this is verse number 35. Remember, you need to probably go back and read a little bit of this. This is John the Baptist right here. And so two of John the Baptist's disciples stood with John. And looking upon Jesus, and this is referencing back to John the Baptist yet once again. It says, looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, behold the Lamb of God. Now I want to stop right here and just talk about this because the, there is a, uh, a very prophetic uh, implication that's carried forth. Uh, forward in this uh, and if, if you'll read this right here I've got this underlined in verse number 45 and I'm not jumping ahead but I just want to keep in context uh, what we're going what we're trying to study and bring out as we go through the New Testament context we need to keep in mind uh, that all the New Testament context and what they were understood in the Jewish lineage and heritage uh, and how they understood and and how they navigated themselves personally and individually was all in context of of the nation of Israel, uh, not only the nation of Israel, but all the holy commands and laws and the gospel that was written by and penned by Moses. You, you see, Jesus makes many references uh, to the gospel that was written by Moses as we work our way through uh, the gospel of John. So there's a messianic reference that John the Baptist makes now of the second person of the Trinity. And we've quoted this many times as he was manifest in these last times for us. The Bible tells us in the book of Galatians, uh, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made unto the man, that he might redeem them that are under the law. So we, we find this uh, coming to fruition right here. There's over 300 plus in excess of 300 plus prophecies in the Old Testament uh, looking forward to the Messiah, to the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, we pick back up here and, and we need to understand this because this is a profound statement that was made. Uh, and I think a lot of times today, especially us in the Western church, uh, we're so far remo removed uh, from Old Testament Judaism and what it was like uh, to to make a claim like this, um, a lot of times today that uh, uh, you know th this cost them everything. Uh, this was a vast uh, and very deep departure uh, from everything that they had known. Now, yes, they were looking for a Messiah, but they were looking, um, you know, what the the Messiah that they were looking for had been heavily twisted over a number of years. They were looking for a Messiah uh, that would come and that would uh, grant and live and reign with them in the promised land. As we see over here in the book of Canaan, they were looking for a Messiah that would reign with them, not only reign with them, but they were looking for an, an Edenic return uh, from the garden that they'd been exiled from. That's what they wanted to go back to. And we see that the fullness and the fruition of the New Testament through the Lord Jesus Christ brings us to that finality and to that fruition uh, is that where it's started is also where we're headed back to so uh and, and that is fellowship and communion with god and we're going to make several uh, uh new or old testament references that uh, are very significant uh, and, and impactful uh, as we work our way through this 
Uh, but uh, so we see, behold the Lamb of God. Now, where does your mind immediately take you to? And I'm sure it probably does. You've heard it preached numerous, numerous times. But if you look back in the book of Exodus in the 12th chapter, you'll find very familiar reading of text. Uh, the Bible tells us right here, as Moses penned, and the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of, of the year to you. Speak ye unto the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take unto them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And it shall be, uh, and if the household be too little for the lamb, uh, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of souls. Every man, every man according to his eating, shall take uh, your count uh, for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Uh, you shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it up uh, until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel. Uh, shall kill it in the evening, and they shall take the blood uh, and strike it upon the two side posts and the upper posts of the house, wherein they shall eat it. So we see this illusion right here that John the Baptist, he's making a messianic, a messianic reference. Now immediately, when John the Baptist immediately uh, perceives that this is Jesus Christ, this is he in whom he leapt in his mother's womb, Elizabeth, uh, when the Holy Ghost introduced and when Mary uh, uh, when Mary walked in uh, and John the Baptist in the, from womb to womb perceived uh, that this was the Messiah, the scripture records to us that he leapt in the womb. And so now we see that this messianic reference, so immediately uh, we get into the Gospel of John right here, we see the Old Testament tie that is heavily embedded in this. And so we uh, we have an immediate reach back. John the Baptist has an immediate reach back to Exodus chapter number 12. He said, now this is the Messiah. This is the Lamb of God. This is our Pascal Messianic Lamb. So this would have rang true uh, to uh, the the Judaizers of the day and time, and especially to the, the, the New Testament disciples and apostles. As soon as they would have heard this, they would have immediately reverted to the Paschal Lamb. Then this was in Exodus 12. We see that this was this was also the inauguration and the initiation of the Passover. And what was the Passover? Uh, the Passover was later. Uh, uh, culminated into a feast, the Day of Atonement. What was the Day of Atonement for? Well, the Day of Atonement was set aside as a place where, uh, where and it uh, transpired uh, in the tabernacle, later in the temple. So uh, this Day of Atonement and this Passover, what exactly was this? This was a day uh, when the cleansing of the people uh, and, and the remembrance of sin was put away. So we see that, uh, and I'm not going to get into this in, in great extent, in great detail, uh, but we have the high priest uh, the high priest, when he was dressed up with all his phylacteries, uh, he had on uh, the priestly vest. And as he assumed himself in the priestly vest and priestly attire, he would make a sacrificial offering. We have the two scapegoats. Uh, the Urim and Thurim were used to divide the scapegoats from that one which would be killed and led off uh, or, or that one which would be led away into the wilderness. And that's another tie right there that you'll see. I encourage you to go tie uh, Isaiah chapter number 1 uh, back to the scapegoat and the use of the Urim and Thurim. We'll get to that another time. Uh, but we get into this right here. Uh, but we see right here where we have uh, 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 John the Baptist making this messianic claim. He, he's saying that the high priest, the, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would come in. He would make provision for the people. He would make a sacrificial offering. Uh, listen, we see with the Garden of Eden, that's where God dwelt with his people. Uh, we have, we have uh, and listen, this is all about God's residence uh, with his people. God wants to reside with his people. And I say that 
like he can't. God can do anything he wants to, but this is the system, and this is the way wherein he is established, wherein we can commune one with another. This is the significant importance of our Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, because he is our New Testament tabernacle and temple, because all things were fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, listen, don't, uh, now listen, there may be double fulfillments to everything, but don't let anybody take you past any, to any, ta- any, uh, any time we get into some Old Testament reference of the tabernacle of the temple of the Passover, uh, of the Messianic feast, of all these things that are incorporated, we have uh, prophetic implications of our Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And without him and aside from him, we have nothing. That was the declaration that John uh, made in John chapter number 14, verse number 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father lest he come by me. There's greater, more significance to that than we ever have time to talk about tonight. But listen, I'm going to move my way through this so we don't take up so much time. But we see John's Messianic reference immediately back to uh, uh, Exodus chapter number 12. So the the, the first time, the inauguration of the Passover, we find there, uh, and this the first time we see the inauguration of Jesus' public ministry, the first thing he makes reference to is the Passover. Not over uh, does he make reference to the Passover, but he makes, pa- he makes reference to Jesus specifically uh, being the intermediary and the mediator of the New Covenant and the New Testament, which is only done by one thing. And we get into the book of Hebrews. We talk about uh, that the Old Testament, the Bible tells us that, that there cannot be a New Testament without the death of a testator. Uh, and that testator stands in our stead. And these are all fulfillments of our Savior, Jesus Christ. But we get into this. So we see immediate references back uh, to uh, Exodus chapter number 12. Uh, and listen, not, all, not only does he say that uh, Jesus is the Passover, but Jesus, uh, he, he makes reference to Jesus as the Lamb. Uh, and I've read this many, many times, and this is a, a very famous prophecy that is preached on multiple occasions, Isaiah chapter number 53. Uh, we find here... Isaiah chapter number 53, verse number 7, the scripture says he was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is dumb, so open not his mouth. And so we see this immediate reference right here. So I just wanted to tie you back to the Old Testament uh, of what's going on right here, where people's mindset are immediately drawn to uh, when they hear this language, when they see this demonstrated and presented in this manner. And so the Bible says in verse number 37, two disciples heard uh, heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. So these are two of John the Baptist's disciples. We read back here, go back and grab that from verse number 35. The Bible says, Then Jesus turned and saw... Uh, them following and said unto him, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted master, where dwellest thou? Uh, so the first thing that they wanted to know, uh, where do you reside? Where's your home? Where do you come from? He saith unto them, Come and see. Uh, and, and, and listen, isn't that a profound comment in verse number 39? I'm just going to take a, a small sidebar right here. It, w- what a profound comment that is when Jesus, uh, when he begs all to come and see. Uh, listen, anytime there's an inquisition of Christ, anytime that there is a broken, lost, hard-hearted sinner that makes an inquisition of Christ. It does not matter the gravity, the depth, or the abomination of our sin. I'm glad that there is an open invitation for 
our Messiah, the Passover, uh, the, the sacrificial, precious, spotless, you, Pascal lamb, that there is always an open invitation to come. Uh, and we never need to uh, work away from that, especially in the preaching of the gospel. Uh, friends, today, listen, we want all men everywhere, therefore, to repent. We want them to come to our Savior, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and we see this declaration immediately out of the mouth of Christ. Uh, as they say, where do you reside? He says, well, come and see. And they saw. Uh, and they came uh, and saw uh, where he dwelt and abode with him all day. For it was about the 10th hour. And we just want to talk, give you a little history and information right here. As the Jewish uh, time setting was, they would start the day at 6 a.m. and it ran to 6 uh, p.m. So that's roughly 12 hours. So anytime you see an, uh, a reference to an hour, so about the 10th hour would have been about 4 p.m. in the evening, just so you know. Uh, one, uh, uh, one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. So we know that one of the two disciples that was with John the Baptist was Andrew. Uh, but it says, uh, uh, he first findeth his, uh, his own brother Simon and saith to him. And so we know from verse number 41 that the disciples that was with Andrew was obviously not Peter because he had to go find him. He, he first uh, findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah. Now, this is uh, important language that we carry forward from the Old Testament uh, and the implications of this. And, and, and this is where I'm driving you to. And I, I'll listen, I don't want it to get by on us because we read past a lot of these things because we've read them so much, we don't really understand the implications of them. We as New Testament born-again believers and as the gospel church today, we look back to Calvary. We look back to the cross. Uh, we have to understand uh, that the Old Testament uh, uh, mindset was as they weren't necessarily looking forward to the cross, and 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 I want to say that uh, because they were. <laughs> They were looking forward. They were looking forward to something else. They were looking for a Messiah. They were looking for a Redeemer. Uh, and you cannot be redeemed without a Redeemer. I just want to add that in uh, right there. There's a lot of people say, uh, do we seek God? Uh, did we first seek God or did God seek us? I want to stop the conversation right there and say this. God has always sought us first. Amen. Uh, not that we love God, but that he first loved us. First John 14. Uh, we must understand that he is the seeker and the saver of our soul. Uh, listen, but we cannot be redeemed without a redeemer. We don't know that we need to be redeemed without the knowledge of that redeemer. And therefore we have the proveniency of the Word of God, the work of the Holy Spirit, all these attributes that God has given uh, to, the, uh, to the entire free world that they could have enough provision to come, uh, as he's already told uh, Simon here, uh, or not Simon, but Andrew, as he's already told uh, Andrew, you can come. Amen. I'm glad that there is, uh, listen, the first beck and crying call of our Savior's mouth we have recorded in the Gospel of John is to come. So now listen, we get into this. Uh, the scripture said he, he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted uh, the Christ or the Christos in the Greek was right here. So we have uh, a messianic claim. Not only uh, do we have John the Baptist tying him back to the Passover, not only the Passover, then we have uh, uh, also a reference alluding to Isaiah chapter number 53 uh, of not only the Passover, but he's also the lamb. He fulfills all these things. No, now he is our messianic redeemer. He is the one that is going to satisfy, uh, listen, he is going to satisfy and negate and fulfill, uh, listen, 
Listen, in its ultimacy, uh, the sin debt that is leveraged against all of humanity, not only the sin debt that is leveraged against humanity, but that which was lost uh, at the Exodus and the fall in the garden. Uh, as we see uh, the the reclaiming of the nations, uh, as he has brought redemption to all things. Amen. And when I say all things, because I think sometimes, listen, and this is not, uh, 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 listen, don't take this statement wrong, but friends, listen, Calvary far exceeded than just humanity. Humanity is a major part uh, of the cross of Calvary. Humanity, uh, listen, is a major part of the atonement, but not only did he redeem humanity and atone for humanity, he redeemed and atoned all things, all things, amen? When I say all things, I mean all things. Uh, Because listen, when you see the creation of the world, I listen, you see the heavens, you see the earth, you see all the things that were provided, all those things that were integral uh, to the creation and the formation of the world that we currently possess today. God said those things are good. Amen. And when we have the introduction of sin, and then we have the reprobation, the disobedience of the first people, uh, and they were exiled from that perfect place in which God intended them to dwell for eternity. Amen. God gave them enough provision to dwell there forever. But what uh, was lost in the garden was redeemed at Calvary, was bought back, was paid for. Don't need to lose sight of that. Uh, And he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he saith, Thou art Simon the son of Jonah, uh, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. You you remember, uh, we have a name change uh, of Peter once again when Jesus has a specific conversation with him. uh, And he goes to him after the feeding of 5,000. He goes uh, to Peter, and he said, Peter, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? He said, well, some say that thou art Elias or Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And Jesus specifically, and pointed, he pointedly asked him a question. He said, I, listen, he said, I'm not necessarily concerned with what everybody else says. I want to know exactly what you say. And, and I, I, I want you to, I, and I want to speak pointedly and specifically to all those that are listening tonight or may listen in the days ahead or in the future. Uh, friends, listen, this is a specific answer that you yourself personally and individually will have to give an account and an answer for. Uh, nobody else can give an account and an answer for you. You can't, uh, you, you can't claim provision, salvation, and sanctification, justification. You can't claim all those things for your mother, for your daddy, for your grandparents. You can't claim it through church membership, baptism, communion, all these other ordinances that we take part in, which are biblically sound and which we should do. But friends, listen, there's a lot of people they take their solace and they take their satisfaction. They most assuredly take their salvation in these things which are only temporal. Friends, listen to me. We need to understand today that we must give an account for ourselves. You must respond for yourself. So Jesus specifically and pointedly turns the question back to Peter and he says, Peter, who do you, who do you specifically say that I am? And Peter uh, gave this declaration. He said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of God. Uh, listen. Uh, the son of the living God. Uh, Jesus, to which him responds, he said, uh, Listen, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. He said, Thy name shall be no longer called Cephas, uh, which is to be interpreted as stone, but it shall be called uh, Peter. So, when we get to this point right here, we see the calling of Peter. We've, we see the calling of Andrew. Uh, and then another disciple that is not specifically named at this moment in time. 
So verse 43, the Bible says, In the day following Jesus would go forth into Galilee and find the Philip, saith unto him, Follow me. Come and follow me. Uh, this resounding uh, in Jesus' language as we go through the entire New Testament. Now, Philip was, uh, was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, uh, and Nathanael uh, is never specifically called by name right here, but in the Synoptic Gospels or in the other three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, you'll find where his, Nathanael's name is also Bartholomew. So the Bible says, uh, and the day following, uh, uh, following Jesus would go forth in Galilee and find Philip, saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was, uh, was of Beth Bethsaida, uh, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael, saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now listen, I want you to listen to this profound statement that is made. And I want to read to you another verse over here uh, and because I, I want your mind uh, to think in this manner. Uh, because there's a lot of people say, well, uh, the gospel was only present uh, in the New Testament. Well, that's not what the New Testament says about the gospel. Uh, but that's the perception that the modern church has adopted in our ideology and our theology uh, that we carry into the church. So uh, we need to understand what the Scripture says about this. Amen. Uh, so we find here, now listen, you, you see all these immediate references that we have, Old Testament references, just in the first chapter of the Gospel of John, uh, bringing forward those things that were spoken by the prophets, the things that were written by Moses. We see them ultimately, we see their ultimacy fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Bible tells us right here in verse 45, now I think this is a profound statement. Philip findeth Nathaniel, saith unto him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law. This is his immediate, this is his immediate tie uh, to Jesus. So we have a messianic claim. We have the Lamb of God claim. So we have Isaiah 53. We have Exodus chapter number 12. Uh, we have uh, Moses, uh, the, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Uh, we see all this that is carried and front-loaded into this. And a lot of times we as the modern New Testament church, uh, listen, we're not acclimated to these things, and so therefore uh, we forget to perceive these things. We have to read, uh, when, we, when we understand the hermeneutic of the Bible, what does it mean? What is a hermeneutic? That is a grammatical, historical context in which we read the text. So we understand we have to put ourselves, uh, listen, all things were written in the Scripture, and they are applicable to all of God's people without question. But we need to understand that when the text was written, it was written, speci it was written specifically for somebody. So we need to understand that history. We need to understand that setting. We need to understand that culture. And so, friends, listen, and now, I never want to be the preacher that says, well, we can't interpret it that way because that's not what the Scripture is really trying to mean. I, I, I hope and pray to God that those words never come out of my mouth, and I don't really want to hear it out of anybody else's mouth either because the Word of God means what it says. We just have to dig in deep enough to mine out the nuggets in the Word of God to understand what the Word of God in its fullness and its entirety is telling us. Amen. Didn't say we couldn't understand it. I, I, 
I'll never make that claim. We can understand the Word of God through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But the deeper we dive into it, that's why the Bible tells us to study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman need not be ashamed, rightly divided in the Word of truth. There is more to the Word of God. That's why we can read. That's why when I read the Word of God on a daily basis, and we begin to understand and digest this, and we read these passages that we've read time and time and time again, we continually are mining new things out of the Word of God. A lot of people say that the Constitution is a living document. The Constitution is not absolutely emphatically not a living document. It's just a document that was written by a bunch of men. Uh, the only living document that we have in this world today is the Word of God because the Word of God itself is alive. Amen. Uh, friends, listen. So now, uh, I, I just want to read this to you. Uh, as you go over to the third chapter of the book of Galatians, we see where uh, Paul, he's addressing, and, and I'm going to make just a short reference right here. Uh, Get back to this, and we'll we'll wind this up. But we see right here, we see this gospel reference that was made in the Gospel of John. It says the gospel that was written, the the Messiah, the Passover. We see all this language that is used right here, and it's reminded. Says these are the things that were written in Moses' law and the prophets. They wrote about this man, this Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. I want to read this to you. So Paul is addressing the, 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 the church of Galatia over here, and he's identifying with them, and he brings to bear the Abrahamic covenant. And when he goes to bring to bear the Abrahamic covenant, uh, we pick up right here in Galatians chapter number 3. I encourage you to just go read the whole book. It's a good read. If you read it 100 times, read it 101. Uh, even as Abraham, uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse number 6, even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. That's another message, but I want you to think long and hard about what that verse said. I'm going to read it to you one more time, just so I don't have to say it. The Word of God says it. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, they which are of faith, the same, the people that are of faith, the same are, are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, this is the verse I want you to pay attention to. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Now, uh, we, we talk about the uh, fulfillment uh, of God's unconditional covenants and promises. Uh, we see uh, the messianic language that is used. We see the Abrahamic covenant that was used in the book of Galatians right here. Uh, and the reason I wanted to bring that to bear, uh, and listen, what I read over there is really a, an entirely different subject that I don't have time, especially 35 minutes into this, to even start talking about. But what I was making reference to over there is we see the gospel present in the Old Testament. Uh, and a lot of people, they just have this perception. Uh, and listen, I, I, and I, and I want to be the first to admit to you, uh, because I have this perception for a long time. You just carry this perception and this presupposition when you're reading the Word of God that, that the Old Testament didn't have the gospel because they didn't have Christ. They absolutely had the gospel. Uh, and, and we can go back and maybe as we work our way through this, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll bring to bear more uh, of, those, uh, of the presence of the gospel uh, to the Old Testament, Old Covenant saints. But I just wanted to, I just wanted to bring that to bear uh, just for a few minutes. It says, um, 
Uh, let me find my place right here. Philip findeth Nathanael, saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, uh, uh, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip, uh, Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Uh, now, uh, that's another statement within, in and of itself, right? Uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Uh, what? Listen, I'm telling you, these are these are little statements that we'll read over, but they are uh, they are so profound, especially when we see this is just the inauguration and the inception of when he's calling the apostles together. These are declarations that these men made of the Messiah Jesus Himself. Uh, these are profound statements. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered, saith unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered uh, and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Now, think about this statement. All Jesus did, uh, listen, uh, the Bible says, uh, Jesus said, uh, he said, uh, uh, before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. So, all Jesus did is he told him where he was before this presentation and this communication and this conversation was prompted. And from that, from that, Nathaniel makes this profession, uh, answered and said unto him, Rabbi or master or teacher, thou art the son of God. Okay. These are profound statements being made when Jesus is first calling these apostles, these men together that shall come and abide by his side for three and a half years. I see things that are unimaginable, hear things that are unimaginable, witness the presence and the power and the unction and the fruition of the fullness of, of God. And I just want to remind you of something. Uh, listen, so, uh, uh, because I, I think this is needful to say. So when we see uh, that when Jesus was baptized, we, we get into uh, when Jesus was baptized of John, uh, we see where the Trinity uh, is first defined. Or no, I wouldn't say first defined. It's defined again. It's not first defined. Forget I said that. Genesis 1, it's first defined. Uh, so, but Lynn, we get into this. We see where... We see that uh, John the Baptist makes the declaration of Jesus. He said, Behold the, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Uh, so Jesus then walks down the bank of the Jordan. He gets in the water with, with uh, John the Baptist. John baptized him. There's a voice from heaven which declares, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Then upon that, the Bible tells us that a dove descended out of heaven and lit upon him. Uh, and this dove came in the form, or the, uh, the Holy Ghost came in the form of the dove and lit and dwelled and resided with him. Okay? Uh, now, what is the importance of the significance of this? Because I, I, I want you, now listen, this is Old Testament language. I want to carry you back. Let's go back to the Passover. Let's go back to the Passover. On the Day of Atonement, what happened? Well, when the, day, uh, when the high priest would go in and he would make the blood uh, offering, he would offer it upon the Ark of the Covenant. When he would offer it upon the Ark of the Covenant, therein abode the mercy seat and the cherubims overshadowed. Well, when God received that sacrifice, the Shekinah glory of God would fall out of heaven down to earth where it was visible to all men 
and this visibility of the glory and the power of God uh, was an all-reckoning sight. Uh, listen, and can you imagine the abundance of joy? Uh, and listen, the weeping that transpired is all the people of God, they're surrounded, and they see the God of all heaven and glory descend uh, and make his presence and his dwelling known among his people. So that's what happened when the Holy Ghost fell upon Jesus. And the Holy Ghost didn't leave Christ. He resided and abided with Christ. And the abiding, and the abiding uh, residual uh, of the Holy Spirit was felt and the presence and the working of the Holy Spirit was so powerfully strong that these apostles and these disciples, as immediately as they laid eyes upon him, they made prophetic and messianic claims. Uh, listen, which, uh, was, um, uh, which was a sin even to be uttered, but they knew who they were dealing with. And Nathanael said unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered, said unto him, Before that Philip called, and said unto him, uh, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast son of the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered, and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the son of God, the king of Israel. Now listen, uh, that's in and, of, uh, in and of itself. This is what they were looking for. This is the king of Israel. He has come to redeem, to restore, to replenish and replant. Uh, friends, listen, so we see this uh, in, in in chapter number 50, and or verse number 50 and 51, we'll be done. It says, Jesus answered, said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? So listen, this very simple elementary thing. He said, Just because I saw thee, he said, Thou shalt see greater things than these. Amen. Uh, what a profound statement. Verse 51, and we're going to get done. And, it says, uh, and he said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open. And the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And here we find, I want to carry you, if you want to jump back with us, Genesis chapter number 28, verse number 12. Genesis chapter number 28, uh, verse number 12. We see Jesus make an Old Testament reference. Uh, Genesis chapter number 12, or, or chapter number 28, verse number 12. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, uh, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it uh, and said, I am the Lord God uh, of Abraham thy father and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, to the north, to the south. Uh, and in thee, uh, uh, and in thee, and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and I will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep and he said surely the lord is in this place and i knew it not and he was afraid and said how dreadful is this place this is none other but the house of god and this is the gate of heaven 
And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that uh, city was called Luz at first. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way, that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then shall the Lord uh, be my God and and, and this stone, which I have set for a pillar, shall be God's house. And all of that uh, that thou shalt give me, I will surely give a tenth unto thee. Uh, so we see right here, uh, listen, as we just work our way through this just briefly, I just want to tie this together for you. And I encourage you, now listen, I'm not going to be able to tell you everything that you need to know. You need to go start tying these knots together. Uh, listen, uh, the, the Word of God is profound, it's deep, and it's unimaginable. And the things, listen, I'm telling you, when we just think we're barely getting a hold of it, we think that we understand it, God opens up something that is far greater uh, than we could ever perceive. So what is Jesus saying in verse number 51? Jesus is saying, he said, I am now the embodiment uh, of the earthly access to the divine realm. He said, what I showed to Jacob, uh, listen, he said that ladder that was ascending and descending that the angels, uh, we see this depiction right here in this ladder. It says, hearing ye shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. This is a reference to Jesus himself. And listen, what did, what did Jacob say in Genesis chapter number 28? He said, this is none other than the house of God. Amen. That was the, and this is what Jesus is saying. He said, I am God's house. Amen. I am the temple. I am the tabernacle. I am where the, where God resides. Not only where, uh, listen, he said, I and the father are one. He said, but the residence of God is now with me. That's why we'll get into this in, in chapter number two here in just a few minutes. Or I believe it's chapter two, maybe chapter four. Can't remember. Uh, but Jesus makes the reference uh, where he says three days. He said three days this will be torn down. He's talking about the temple. He said three days this will be torn down. And he said, but I'll rebuild it. Uh, listen, and when he was talking about this, he was talking about his body. We see that Jesus specifically makes this reference. So, friends, listen. We get to this right here. Go read Genesis 28, but we see all these Old Testament ties uh, and how the Word of God is now coming together. We see the, the rise of the Messiah out of the first chapter of the Gospel of John. Uh, we see that now he has called his disciples together. Next week, we'll start off with Jesus' first recorded miracle. God bless you. Thank you so very much uh, for joining us. Keep, uh, uh, please uh, sincerely pray for my mother-in-law. Uh, she's uh, still in the hospital. Many others are in the hospital. Many are battling disease and sickness, and there's a lot of things going on in a lot of different places. I understand that. I pray for our nation, for our country, for our leaders. Uh, I want God to touch their hearts and their minds, change them, and lead them. That is my earnest prayer. It doesn't matter who it is. I want God uh, to intervene, and God can, and, and, and He will. Uh, but w the Bible tells us that we as his people, we need to humble ourselves. We need to seek God. We need to pray fervently. Uh, we need to seek his face uh, with all reverence and mercy, and, and God will hear our crying prayer. I want to leave this with you. Uh, tonight I talked to uh, one deacon, and, and he's talked to the remainder of, of the rest of the deacons, and I haven't talked with all of them yet. Uh, but this is, this is not this coming Sunday, but the next Sunday. 
our plans right now are this coming Sunday, because uh, the weather forecast tells us we're going to be moderately warm on Sunday morning, so we're going to meet on the porch one more time and get everybody uh, time uh, to get everything set up for what we're going to do. So the following Sunday, um, we're going to set up in the fellowship hall, um, and and we're going to. I need to talk to the musicians and song leaders and everybody else uh, to make sure this is going to fit what they want to do but uh, we'll position it in such where uh, whoever wants to sit outside can sit outside and the people that want to sit inside can sit inside we'll have chairs set up we're going to set them up in uh, family groups and separate them and spread them out as much as possible the fellowship hall is huge we've got uh, all the provisions that we need down there we can stay out of the weather and we can still worship we would uh, highly encourage you uh, if you if you feel the need and you want to wear a mask, please wear one. Please wear one. We encourage that. Uh, whatever makes you feel comfortable and safe, we would encourage it. Uh, we just want to to do uh, all that we can. Um, we've uh, I think if my understanding is correct, we've bought some foggers. I think we're looking for some chemical uh, to use in those. So the cleaning provisions. Uh, we are marching toward uh, uh, the best we can, making uh, making all the provisions that we can to make everybody feel comfortable and safe so we can worship Jesus, most of all, so we can see the lost men, women, boys, and girls saved by his wonderful and amazing grace. God bless you. We love you tonight. Good Lord willing, we'll see you Sunday morning.